I'm put up, I'm put up, put you on the spot right now. All right. I need top five. Oh. And I don't, I don't want to limit you to Nashville. Okay. So I'm gonna say Tennessee. Ooh. I'm gonna say Tennessee artists. I don't know if limited to Nashville. I'm is limited that to Nashville. Is that, that better for you? Yes, that's better. Okay, for me. Yes. let's go. Yes. Then I'm, I might still want the top five Tennessee. That's tough. Uh, so let's do top five Tennessee in no particular order. No I think particular you, I order. Mean, obviously, Lido and Buck. Okay. Uh, so that's two. There. Yeah, Quani. Quani Cash. Uh, paper. City Paper. City Paper. Fifth one's a tough one because uh, I, I mean think you forgetting something. I like I'm gonna be really I'm gonna be really oh surprised if you forget one like that came before all of them. Welcome everyone to another episode of A Slice of the Community. I'm your host, Jerome Moore, and today we have an infamous guest, Nashville legend, music legend here in Middle Tennessee, Dola White DJ, DJ personality with 101.1 The Beat Jams, Dola White in school, man. I always <laughs> wanted to say that, man. Welcome to the show, man. And thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm so excited as a Nashville native to finally <laughs> sit down and talk with you about music, your life, history, um, I want to give you your flowers right now, a whole bouquet of them, <laughs> because like, I don't know if you understand that many of us grew up with your voice on the mm -hmm. radio. Like, that's all we know as far as the hip-hop genre, Dola White, Scooby, synonymous, hip-hop, legend. And so I don't know how much credit a lot of people give you, but I'm going to give you your credit thank and you. your flowers right now. So thank you for the experiences and the journey that you took me on and many others personally wow. in music with hip-hop right here in Middle Tennessee. Nashville, Music City, all of that. So thank you, man. Man, thank you for saying that. That growing up as a as a kid that that listened to radio every day of my life, locked myself in my room at eight o'clock to listen to Ryan Cameron on on V103 in Atlanta, where I grew up, uh, and then to hear somebody else kind of say, "I did the same thing," yeah. except you were the one on the radio. That means more to me than than I can really have the words to express. So thank you. Man, I mean it's well, it's well deserved, and I know many people watching this gonna have to feel the same way. And so uh, again, a whole bouquet. Thank you. Dozens thank you. and dozens and dozens of flowers. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I want to get right into it. Um, and this is, I, I just think it's important to acknowledge this because uh, I know he was your brother. He yeah. was a big part of just who you are as a man, your career, Scooby, uh, right. rest in power, Scooby. Um, how did his passing just affect your, your, your passion for music? Did you want to continue doing it? How did you, how did you take that? I think there was a, there was an adjustment, a big adjustment, because if you go from not from talking to somebody, not just somebody, but like literally dude was like my brother, my best mm -hmm. friend uh, for, you know, 15 years from the time we were met in college at, at 18 to the time we were we were on the beat at that point, 10 years. And, uh, and we did college radio together for five years. And then it was 15 years that this is my best friend. And then yeah. there's an adjustment period of going from a two person show to a one person show, which I had to find out who I, who am I mm. without this person here. Mm. Uh, and that took a while. And I still, I, I would still rather him be there now, you know, yeah. what I mean? 10, 11 years later than, you know, do the show on my own. Uh, there was some, there was a lot of uncertainty, you know what I mean? When, when something like that happens, I think uh, you wonder, do I continue doing this? Do I want to continue doing this? Mm. How do I continue doing this? Who am I without this person? And you, 
I mean, yeah, like there, there was, it was a big adjustment period. It's probably the thing that, that the biggest, besides having a child, probably the biggest career-wise anyway, the biggest change in my life I've ever, I've ever experienced. Uh, it, there was, uh, it, it's like he was connected to everything that I did, everything mm -hmm. that I had personally as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he was my best friend, so you, you lose your best friend, my business partner, so then whatever, the, everything he handled then falls on my shoulders. Uh, and then there's the part of the radio show where I don't have this right. person to talk to, right. not just uh, on air, but also like off air. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you, you do a break and then all of a sudden it's just like silence and there's nobody there anymore. And that's, it's different, it's different. Well, Scoob not by your side anymore, did, what was what was the naysayers probably saying like oh can can you do a radio show by yourself uh, did you did you did you lose any credibility yourself by by not having school right there with you not right away no I think um, honestly like uh, I don't know that that I've ever felt more love from a community mm -hmm. than I did at that point like Nashville really kind of like wrap their arms around me, you know what I mean and and I I think that's less about me and more about the person that he was. Right. Uh, because Scoob and I were, as much as we are the, the same, we are very different mm -hmm. individuals, and he was a very embracing person. He's the person that would, uh, if you met him, people, we used to joke, because people, he would meet somebody, and then like three seconds later, they would be telling him their entire life story, and I'd be like, bro, I don't know, I don't know why people do this to you all the time, but I'm sorry that, you know what I mean? And, right. And uh, so he was that guy. So it, he never forgot anybody. I forget everybody's face, everybody's <laughs> name. Like, I'm awful memory. Uh, I mean, I'm basically like rendered <laughs> handicapped after he, he left because I couldn't remember anybody's name anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, he was the one that was always there to be like, hey, that's blah, blah, blah. We know mm -hmm. them from. Uh, and he was just a very embracing person. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that a, a lot of people, as time went on, maybe expected that from me, and it's just, mm -hmm. just not who I am. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm, I'm gonna go do my thing over right. here, and and, but but for, for Scoob, I think I think a lot of people, uh, especially people he was close with sometimes, mm -hmm. or not even people that I won't even say the people he was close with, uh, they, they felt that, the way I did. I, I, it's like he had. 100 best friends, you know right. what I'm saying? And, and right. everybody, a lot of people felt the way, uh, about him the way right. I did. Yeah, I just I, I just thought it was important for us to have that that, that brief conversation yeah. about that because I know how much, not only he means to the city yeah. and just music, but also to you. So I appreciate you, uh, yeah. you know, getting a little vulnerable and talking about that because I think, like, again, it's different from reading it in the papers, yeah. you know, but seeing you talk about it personally and open up and, and really know, like, he was your brother. He yeah, was your no, best friend. Was. It was he way really past was. radio. I think, like, I appreciate that because I think we all have people like that in our life. They might not always be our colleagues, mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, losing anybody is devastating, but, like, losing a best friend, a peer, a colleague, a teammate, it yeah. hits different. So I appreciate you uh, opening up about that. Now, Dola White. I like how you played the name on Dolomite. Yeah. So how is it being a DJ and personality white DJ personality yeah. in a predominant black space. I think, I think that it is, um, I think earlier people had more of a reaction to it than they do now. Okay. Uh, 
um, when I was, you know, 18, 19, and at Georgia Southern, and I'd be like, no, I'm a DJ, and they'd be like, no, for real, like, seriously, I'm like, no, 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 like, there's <laughs> records in my car, you know what I mean? Like, right. And now it's, it's, it's not, it's not as uncommon. Right. Uh, I do think it's important, because I see, I, I see a lot of other white DJs, I do think it's important that if you're going to be in this space, that you contribute more to, uh, in some way, societally, to, mm. to use your platform, your voice, whatever it is you have, right. to be on the right side of certain uh, issues and right. arguments right. to be had. I, and, and I see, I have seen in the past, and not here in Nashville, just nationally, right. you know, a couple All Lives Matter white DJs, and I've been like, yeah, bro, you, right. you need to find another occupation, you know what I mean? How did you figure that out, like, for yourself it, and understanding, like, I'm I'm a, I'm a kind of a guest in yeah, this space, yes. right? I'm, I'm a guest in this space, yeah. and I love hip hop. I love this music, but like, when did you really realize and understand that like that your voice and your presence means something different and can be even more powerful than in in some instances speaking up about some of the things you're talking about? Uh, I I think I, it was a long process, and you still it's one of those things where I still learn things every yeah. day. Uh, I think the first thing all white people whether you're a DJ or, you know, you're the CEO of whatever company, it doesn't matter. Right. We're all white people, the first thing we need to, to all do is really listen to the uh, issues that mm -hmm. black people particularly, but all minorities, but black people particularly have. Right. We need to sit down and listen and say, all right, open mind. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I want to hear you. Right. Uh, and I think most white people, myself included, struggle with that, um, especially being brought up in this country where it's, you know, this is the greatest country in the world, blah, blah, blah. That's what you're taught when you're white and you grow up and you, you kind of almost brainwashed into thinking that. Mm -hmm. But I think if you diversify the people around you, mm -hmm. if you diversify your friends, and if you and I are friends, I have an obligation, mm. no matter the racial barrier or not, to hear you out and to right. listen to you and to listen to your point of view. Right. Um, and I don't think enough white people do that. I read a book by Robin D'Angelo called uh, White Fragility, and she made a point in the book to, to literally say, if wh white people don't, um, if, I have a, if I have a child with, with a white woman, right, and we had a white baby, mm -hmm. and the white child is, is growing up, I don't, and they have all white friends surrounding them. Mm -hmm. I don't look at that child and say, why are your friends white? You right. gotta diversify a little bit. You gotta learn how to move in different spaces. Right. Um, we don't stress that to our children. Mm. And whereas if you're any other race, mm. you have to learn how to move in white spaces a little bit. Right. And I had never thought about that before. Mm. So it, every day is a learning period, uh, a learning experience. And between Scoob and, you know, my wife, especially my wife has dragged me right. kicking and screaming about, you know, certain right. things that I was bullheaded to. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> now I feel like I have more of the approach conversations less defensively and more yeah. of if I said something that offended you, mm -hmm. it's not like I don't try to over explain it or white explain it or anything. Right. I'm just like, Yo, my bad. How did <laughs> right. that offend you? Like, let's talk about it. Like, right. tell me how you. How I want to learn and grow from that. I want to learn that. Yeah. And, and uh, that is, to me, the approach that all white people should take. 
in hip hop spaces, right? In, in, in it, every it, space. But no, I want to <laughs> concentrate like on the hip hop space, right? Um, where ownership is still predominantly white. Uh, when you're talking about labels, yes. records, distribution, those things. What are those kind of conversations or what, what are some of those moments where you may have to like talk to a peer or a colleague that might be white and maybe missing that? Um, like talk, talk I mean, to us, talk it, to us it about happens. like- I mean, it, it happens and, and luckily uh, in the space that I've been since I've been the program director and kind of in charge of these certain things and mm -hmm. things that I have to keep uh, my staff protected from or whatever, right. uh, I've had higher ups in the company that have listened and I've said, hey, like, I can't ask this person to do this thing that you've asked them to, that you want me to ask them to do. <laughs> right. And these are the reasons why. Right. And that's been it. Right. And there's, there's never been any pushback. So I've, I haven't had Good. to, I've had to have that discussion. Right. I haven't had to have that fight, if that right. makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I haven't, I haven't, been, I haven't had to be like, absolutely not. This cannot happen. You're right. about to fire somebody here. Right. It's never been that way. It's always right. been like, oh, okay, I get it. Yes. Right. We'll have somebody else do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that, I think this. That's great to hear. And again, that's why I'm like, I'm so thrilled to have this conversation because again, I think it's important for us to know as Nash yeah. Williams and Middleton is in, like, hey, like, yeah. like I I really like as a voice of music in Nashville in a predominantly, you know, black genre, like you've been leading that. And I've just been curious of like the power in your voice. What do you think about that? Have you used that? To, to not only like elevate music, but like elevate social change or address things when you know like people are hearing you on the airwaves. I, I think, I think the, the biggest thing that I can contribute is not necessarily taking a side mm -hmm. when it comes for, for uh, my black friends and family to hear, right. but taking a side for my white friends and family to hear. Mm. And, and that's been, that's been a, a tough one right. in my personal life that is been tough. What's been the toughest thing about that? I have family members that are not as racially open as I am, right. or that are racist. I have racist family members. Um, and some I have just kind of written off and said, all right, Good I, I, I can't <laughs> right. deal with you. And some I've tried right. to change to no avail, right? You know, um, so that that's been tough, personally, right? Um, but the thing that I try to contribute outside of that is, you know, with my podcast or when we have to have those discussions on radio, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, if I'm talking to a predominantly black art, uh, audience, uh, that's I think sixty percent or so of our audience, sixty to seventy percent, depending on the the quarter. Um, I'm just preaching to the choir, right? But we do have a large percentage of white people that listen as well. Right. And those are the people that need to, a lot of times, need to change. Yeah. Or that at least like something in the culture enough to maybe listen. Right. And if I can get them, I feel like I've done a good job. I want to go back to, like, the family dynamic. Right. right. You do have a black wife. I right? do. Yes. How has that, and y'all have a, you know, a biracial child, we right, do. that identifies black? Or we haven't gone. She's five. We five, haven't okay. gone there right. yet. So you that, know what I mean? But, but, she's white passing, I think. Right. But, yeah. How has, like, those conversations in, like, right. how's that, like, you know, we still in the South. Yeah. We still here. Like, people still maybe look and figure out, like, yeah. what is that experience being? And what is that new so, kind of approach you? know, for you? outside of, it's weird because 
there have been times when, when maybe people have stared at us and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. As a white person, I don't notice it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's one of those, that's another one of those things. <laughs> where blinders, you're like, yeah. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't see it. Right. Like, but that, that has happened, not often, but mm -hmm. it, it has happened. We live in the city, I work in the city, mm -hmm. We're not venturing out to you know the right. outside counties very often, and so everything here in Nashville is is cool. Right. You know what I mean, there's not many issues here. Right. The the problems that we've had, uh, I honestly have come from uh, my failures to deal with my family members mm. directly, and that's that's where the issues we have had have come. Right. Uh, and a lot of that was just me learning, because when you grow up in a white household. It, it's accepted, it's, it's, hey, even if, even if your family is not racist, even if your, your parents or whoever are, have, as they say, don't have a racist bone in their body, right. if somebody, if a cousin, an uncle, a grandparent says something racist, you're, and you say, hey, you know, why did they say that? They're just like, well, that's just how your uncle is. Mm. And me learning that that's unacceptable right. was a tough lesson for me. Oh. It, it really was, mm. yeah. You didn't think this interview would be going here, did no, you? No, I did. No, I did. I did know it was going right here. That's why I got you. Here. That's why this is this interview, right? People at home, right, gonna be like, I didn't know, I didn't know, Dolly White was that into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. it's different. Um, being being um, a white man in hip hop, you see it. We all see it. The white audience members dropping the n bomb. Oh yeah, no. How <laughs> how do you how do you how do you handle that? How do you approach that? Because I'm pretty sure you know white audience is probably coming up to you with a different type of energy, mm -hmm. approach, maybe not even knowing you're a DJ. Or maybe they know you're a DJ, but because you might share the same skin color as them, they might feel like, oh, I can, yeah, get, yeah, I can no. get off with something. No. What is your take on that? Would have been situations that you'll probably have to you know, address maybe that? Let me say, I have been a DJ in, in like a, a club DJ for 25 years at this point, almost 26. Mm -hmm. I have been blacked out drunk DJing mm. and I've never one time said the word dropped the word on the mic so if I can do it when I am if I can if I can control whether or not I say that word right and I'm blacked <laughs> out drunk right you can too mm. and it's, it's unacceptable it's just it's like um it's like white people we don't have to have everything right we don't have to have that we can stay away from that right. that way you offend nobody right you don't have to worry about it just Omit the word from your vocabulary, no matter what the circumstance is, and you're good. Man, I'm curious, like, what made you gravitate to to hip hop? Like, as a just I, I, as a as a as a as a, as a white man, as having family members that maybe are not racially I, diverse I, mentally, like I think. I remember I started really like getting into it probably seventh, eighth grade. Okay. And, and this is in Atlanta. This is this is in Atlanta. Okay. This is early '90s. So this isn't like. This is when you had to find it. You know right. what I mean? Like hip hop wasn't just like on the radio all the time. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, you had to like go out like look for it. You know what I mean? Um, I think. I honestly think. I think I grew up with a lot of insecurities, and I think the bravado of it, the the confidence yeah. of artists in the genre, mm -hmm. like I wanted to be confident like that. Right. And I think that kind of drew, drew me to it towards mm. it more than any other musical genre at that time. Give us a story of like your your beginnings of DJing, like something that like you either did really good or you just failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, but, but maybe that moment like, like yes, I can do this, or maybe like, ah, 
I don't know. Like, this may not be for me. <laughs> Dang, that's a good question. Um, thinking back to the early days. So we're going back, back to college. Um, I think, I don't know if it was that. You know what? From the time we bought our first turntables, we had a party book that day. Scoob and I, from the time we, we linked up, so I, I did a radio show from 3 to 7 a.m. on the college station at Georgia Southern. And every week, Scoob would come and be like, I'm going to come to the show with you tonight. I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, cool. And then, like, it'd be 2.30 in the morning. I'd go knock on his dorm room door, and he wouldn't be there, right? <laughs> I'm like, all right, dude. And so he told me that every week. He finally came one week. In the week he came, he never stopped coming after that. It was immediate. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do this by myself. Right. But this... This works. team, this yeah. team works, yeah. right? And so that summer, we we saved up and we were able to buy our, our turntables and which I mean, fifteen hundred dollar setup, which right. back in the early back in the mid nineties, it's, a lot. it's, it's yeah. a lot of money but, now, but yeah. it was a lot of money then. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it was a lot of money then. Right. Um, and, and we were able to we were able to purchase our turntables and we went back to school and we had parties booked and it was always, I we we were we had parties booked. And we're always, for whatever reason, great at knowing what records to play when. Mm -hmm. We couldn't transition for anything. We were just getting started. We mm -hmm. couldn't mix, blend, scratch, none of that. Right. But we could rock. Right. And I think we always knew the radio thing, the dynamic between the two of us, and and the uh, um, the parties. We always knew we could do it. Right. I don't know if there, there was ever a moment where we were like, I don't know if there, I think there were moments maybe where we were like. I don't know if this is going to work out, right? but I don't think we thought that we were not good enough for it to work mm -hmm. out, if that makes sense. I want to bring it back home a little bit right. to the Middle Tennessee area yeah. when we talk about hip-hop. Right, we talked a little bit about like, like just the 101.1 itself historically hasn't got a lot of publications around hip-hop mm -hmm. here in Nashville, the Middle Tennessee region, but you know, there's this thing, this hip-hop versus country music mm -hmm. dynamic here. Uh, growing up here, uh, and you being on the radio since you know I was 10, 11 years old, I know you feel this too. You know, it's like we don't get the credit, we don't get the recognition. But now I think you're seeing a lot of this, you know, uh, this renaissance of this hip hop music here in Nashville. Man, what is your take on on that? Look, man, those mainstream publications are are they they'll do a story every now and again, and that'll right. be it. You know what I mean? Um, they don't see it, they don't hear it, they don't want to. If they mm. did, they would try harder. Mm. Um, but I also think there's something to be said. I, I think when I moved here, I don't know that many people were proud that they were from Nashville. And I think that has changed, and that has changed without any of those publications, without any of that spotlight. I think now people are like, people are proud to be here. Right. I'm proud to live here, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think. And I think that has changed without those publications. And I, you see, you see a lot of uh, black culture in Nashville go mainstream now. We saw it with Hot Chicken. There was right. no hot. There would be right. without Black Nashville. There is right. no Hot Princess Chicken. Princess Chicken. Princess Chicken. Shout out no, to them. Yeah. Yeah. There is no. And then I don't know. I, I didn't see much of it. I saw some of the the PBS documentary on um, on country music. But mm -hmm. come to find out. No we, black, no black people, no country <laughs> music either. You know, what we, know like, we know the banjo itself. Yeah, from West know, Africa. Yeah, we know this. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, uh, you, you find those things out, and I think that I think we're very close to uh, 
a spotlight being shined on the culture on Black Nashville to really highlight the gifts that it has given the city. And the city is not where it is today right. without Black Nashville. And, and I think it's sad that the publications haven't. Right. Um, but it's also a testament to the people to continue inventing, being creative right. without that, that kind of spotlight on them. So I know a lot of artists are listening to this mm -hmm. and they want some gems from Dolo White. <laughs> what can hip hop artists do in Nashville uh, if they're not getting in publications? If we know, like, we know the barriers right. and we know the cloud that's over the genre, right. what can they do to navigate that and pivot around and still maybe break and, and still maybe, you know what I'm saying, get the music where they want to be in the city of Nashville without having to leave. I think you, I, I, I think it's been done. I mean, you look at Lido, yep. for, for instance. Yep. I mean, I, I, I think if you look at the blueprint that he set, it's mm. there. It's, it's ha the, the question is always, no matter what, no right. matter what it is, if you're, if you're, you know, making food, if you're making music, if mm. you, whatever it is, it's like, if you have a good product, right. that's great. But how do I get people to like my product? And what's that's the, always the question. What's that blueprint then? Because I know a lot of people know Star Lito or, right. or All Star, you know, depending on how bad. Like, what is that? Like, paint that picture for us. What is that blueprint for artists that's listening? Because I know they like, they taking notes right now. Right. But what is what is that blueprint then? I think I think what he did, and I don't know, I, I know Lito well. We, right. We've always had a good relationship. <clears throat> uh, I think the thing that he did more than anybody was he was relentless with his music and he understood social media blogs websites better mm. than most better than not just most artists right but most like people at a at a record labels you right. know what i mean he understood how to get into those systems how to get his music pushed out in those systems right um and that's the question you'd have to ask him like how yeah. did you do this you yeah. know what I mean? but even uh, from a dj lens though because yeah. you know you 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 could break a record mm -hmm. um so what does that look like i think it's from, different from, now from, well it's different now yeah. yeah but like so for even from now like if an artist like i'm going to get my my music on a radio because i think radio is still important um but i just even want to be connected with a person like mm -hmm. dola white that has knowledge that might have connections like what is that how does that person do that? How does that artist do that? I think that an artist would, I, I think first of all, artist has to have a good product. And okay. that's not my opinion. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I think too many people are like, you're gonna really like this record. Well, it doesn't matter if I like this record or not. It matters right. if the people like the record. Like I told you, I've been a nightclub DJ for, you know, 25 years at this point. Um, one thing, you can have the greatest record in the world. It could be sonically, you could bring me, you know, Michael Jackson Thriller. Right. If that crowd does has never heard Michael Jackson Thriller right. and I throw it on and the dance floor is packed, they are going to clear out. Right. You know what I mean? And right. so you have to think about what I do on the radio is kind of the same thing. Right. You have all these other options. You can stream, you can punch out to another radio station, you can do all these other things. Right. If I play something you don't necessarily like, even if it's a great record, we all know that this record is going to be a hit. Right. Uh, the first time you hear it, you might punch out on it. Yeah. So you have to understand that, I think, first of all, as an artist, that you have to figure out a way to make yourself, your voice, your your brand, and your music mm -hmm. familiar with people. Okay. So like, if if you turn on a if you turn on the radio right now and there's an artist voice that you don't recognize, you've never heard it, you might punch out. But you know Drake's voice, mm -hmm. and if it's a Drake record you never heard, you might stay with it a minute if you're a Drake fan. You right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, and so artists, the, the tricky thing about being an artist about how to get your music heard is, you know, you have to you have to show 
everything is a level. And in order to get to the next level, you have to be able to prove I've got X amount of people that want to hear my music. Okay. I've got X amount of fans that want to see me perform live. I've got this many people buying merch. I've got, you know what I mean? Right. And every one of those is a level up. Well, now everybody, y'all got the secret sauce. Yeah. You know, y'all, y'all got the secret sauce. I don't know what the secret sauce is. <laughs> I just know, know, I just know gave how to. He just gave you the list yeah. that y'all can go down um, because I think, um, I guess, especially coming from you, like I think that matters because um, mm-hmm. I think your your voice matters, your presence matters, and just what you've done historically in in the genre. Um, people want to people want to to feed off of that, and I think yeah. like that information is going to help somebody, some artist, because maybe they're not thinking about it, or maybe they they like okay, this is what I'm missing. I think you also have to to put your to put your mind in the perspective of the person or people or whatever mm-hmm. entity that you're trying to get inside of. So if you're trying to get inside of radio, right. you have to think like, is it a good business model if they play a record that nobody knows? And if nobody knows right. it, are they going to like it? If that's not a good business model, right? You wouldn't run your business by doing things that your clientele doesn't like, right? right you know what right, I'm saying? Like right. you're just not going to do that. It's a bad business model. Um, Hip hop is, you know, it's controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's educational. It's storytelling. Um, what do you feel about the state that hip hop is in now, especially with with drill? Um, Man, this is 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 it's a different sound. It's pr- primarily dominated by a, a sound from the south, mm. uh, which I think I, I love it. I, yeah. It's great because you know I'm a, I'm a diehard from South friend, yeah, from here. And you know New York and them, they didn't want to give us our credit yeah. for many years, so y'all y'all had to take this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, many people will contribute a lot of the crime, a lot of the things that that happen in communities, primarily black communities. You know, hip hop perpetuates that or influences that. What is your take, uh, especially from a from a white lens and I somebody think, that's on the radio and plays I, the music? I think that I think that if you're gonna blame music for things that were systematically happened before that genre of music was around, mm. you're not very bright mm. and you don't know your history. Mm. Uh, the problems that have that that plague certain communities are are there because primary needs aren't being met. Right. Um, and so, if you want to blame a music or a, video game or anything else right you don't know much about what's really going on right because these problems have been there long before hip-hop came along man that's a, that was beautifully put like, <laughs> like i don't know like that's that 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 statement cleared it because that's what a lot of people will contribute mm-hmm. to especially like with black men um and just feel like hip-hop perpetuates a lot of that stuff but like what you said kind of just what i say what i said on my that. podcast a million times is uh, we know, studies show, that uh, the more educated a person is, mm-hmm. the least likely they are to commit any type of crime. Right. And so if you really want to control crime, do you put mm. more police on the ground right. in those neighborhoods or mm. do you spend your money in education to make sure kids that are growing up in impoverished neighborhoods uh, get properly educated and that makes them less likely to one day commit a they're crime. They're not ready for this type of dolo white. They're not, they're not ready for this dolo white right here. So speaking on that, the artists hold any type of social responsibility to the type of music good question. that they put out. I, I think that's a great question. I think you could. We want a great answer, though. I, like, I, we I want don't a, know if I have one. <laughs> we want a great answer. I don't know if I have one. I think that, I, you know, I think it's one of those situations where no artist is saying, go out there and do this. Right. But 
I think that inadvertently anybody with any platform can be influential. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you want to be influential right. is the question. I can't answer that for any artist. Do you hold any of the artists that you listen to to any type of social responsibility um, based on your listenership and say, oh, if this artist is saying this and doing one thing, I'll maybe fall back. Do you hold them accountable for that or is it just purely music for you regardless it, of what they do? I think for me it's pure, pure, purely music. Okay. Uh, but I also think, I think my place to judge any of that as mm-hmm. a white person, okay. not where I need to be. I'll put, a, I'll put, a, put you on the spot right now. All right. I need top five. Oh. And I don't, I don't want to limit you to Nashville. Okay. So I'm gonna say Tennessee. Ooh. I'm gonna say Tennessee artists. I don't know if limited to Nashville. I'm li- is limited that to Nashville. Is that, that better it, for you? Yes, that's better. Okay. For me. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Then I'm, I might still want the top five Tennessee. <laughs> that's tough. Uh, so let's top go five Tennessee in no particular order. No I particular you, I order. Mean, obviously, Lido and Buck. Okay. Uh, so that's two. There. Yeah. Quani. Quani Cash. Uh, paper. City Paper. Uh, City Paper. <sighs> Fifth one's a tough one because uh, I, I mean think you forgetting some. I like I'm gonna be really I'm oh, gonna be really oh surprised if you forget one like that came before all of them. With Cool Daddy Fresh or Pistol? One of, one of, one of them, them two. Like, <laughs> how can you go five? Man? I don't. I don't. I wasn't you, here you, for either one of those movements that were hard. I, 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 right I, I, I had to have older cousins put yeah. me on, like especially Cool Daddy Fresh and um, Pistol. Pistol, yeah. yeah. I, I came at the. I came during Quani. Quani was the guy when okay. I came, and then shortly after it was Buck. Shortly after that, it was Lido. Okay. And then at, so you got started five. All right, cool. Yeah, that's, top, top that's your six. top. That's your top six yeah. in Nashville. In Nashville. Now we had to go Tennessee. That's tough. You don't, you don't even want to try? That's tough because, I mean, you got, you got Ball and G. It's all tough. It's a top five. It's supposed to be tough. It's supposed to be yeah, hard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's supposed can to be I, hard. Can I do the, as a white person, it's not my place to judge? No, you can't do that right now. You can't do that. You're a DJ. You're a DJ. This is a professional question in your space. I mean, I think that, I think that's to tough because I think, I think, I mean, you, you look know, back, people look, we gonna, people going to hold you to I this. I mean, you, <laughs> you look at what Ball and G and 3-6 Mafia did for the entire state. Right. You know what I mean? That'd be like, two as a group. Yeah. Yeah. Ball and G, three six mafia. I mean, Yo Gotti. Okay, it's three. Lido Buck, Money Bag, yo. <laughs> That's three more. Uh, a lot of Dolph Quani, fans. Yeah. A lot of Dolph, Dolph fans are Dolph, is mad yes. right now. Dolph, yes, Dolph. I mean, that's a lot, though. It's just too it's, much it's, to live down. Okay, but that's I a think good Ball six, and G and 3-6 Mafia, I think you go kind of one and two somewhere okay. just because. For Tennessee? For Tennessee, there okay. is. I think, that's, I, think I don't that's, think there's a movement without them. As we wind it down, I want to ask you this. Do you feel like you get enough credit, personally, for, for your influence and what you have brought to the city of Nashville and Middle Tennessee, um, why and why not? Um, I don't know. I I don't know that that's on me to, I, I remember a quote by Walter Payton is, okay. uh, if you're good, you tell people. If you're great, people tell you. Okay. And I try to live by that. Okay. I try to live by like, look, man, if I'm doing a good job, people are going to tell me. It's okay. going to show ratings, longevity, right. these things. And I, I it has. Okay. And I have had plenty of people say, yo, like just last year uh, was my 20th year with the beat in December. It's almost 21. Oh, wow. It'll be 21 years in uh, December this year. Congratulations. And anytime I make those posts on like Instagram or anything yeah. like that, like the, the comments light up. Yeah. And it, it, it really does like feel good. Right. But I don't need that every day. Of my yeah. Life. Well, you're getting your flowers here. Thank you. You're going to get them. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get them. And hopefully you get them from all the people that's watching and listening to this because. I, again, like, I don't know how many people, like, physically tell you to your face, 
But man, like you don't like we had to grow up on you though. Yeah, like, man, we we had that. to grow up on you on the radio if we wanted to listen to hip hop here in the inner city or throughout Middle Tennessee. We had you in school. I just so and I hope it was enjoyable. Yeah, no, nah, it was. I mean? like, that's, that's why you're here. That's what we're talking. <laughs> if it wasn't, like, no, nah, I don't think I want. Um, man, um, I want to end with this. Um, what's next? I, why haven't you started a label or yeah. something like that? Like, what's next for you um, musically, uh, especially now since? Like independency, how you can do things, streaming, and all that is just kind of shifted. Radio has shifted. There's a lot of more options and avenues yeah. that one, especially with your background and experience and knowledge, could do. Is are we getting a dollar white label? We're gonna we gonna you gonna start a national powerhouse? Like I would, we want to know. I, you know, I take opportunities as they come. Okay. I, I really do enjoy the podcast space. Okay. Uh, as as you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I enjoy having those those longer, deeper conversations where I can you know, be a little more serious. I enjoy that. Uh, you know, I don't know about starting a label myself. I don't know if that's something that I would want to do. Right. Uh, down the line, if, if one of these, I mean, we have every major label here in Nashville. If one of them wanted to start like a, a hip hop, branch out to hip hop and right. they reached out to me, right. I would listen. Hey man, you're a white man in America. You can right. do it. You can do I anything can do you want to. <laughs> you can start a label today if you want right. to. People will come. Yeah. <laughs> that's me in Nashville. Yeah. I, I think the, we need I, that though. I think I think I think I think we need that here for the city. Everything that you need, everything that, that a national artist needs is right there on Music Row. Right. Every major label. Right. You just get one of these guys to to take a chance. Yeah, but I want I want to give you a last word though. If if it's anything around Nashville music or something you just want to share uh that we didn't really touch on, but I want to give you that space to just really hit on before we close out. Uh just I just gratitude man like um yeah the city's never failed me you know what i mean right. like i mean 20 almost 21 years now you don't see that in this industry you don't see radio personalities last in one market for 21 years it doesn't right. happen you could it just doesn't happen right. you know, there's not many i think with the exception of maybe woody and jim on 107.5 the river shout out to woody and jim those are my guys um I don't know that anybody in the city has been doing it longer than I have and been on air consistently for that that period of time. So, but that doesn't happen without if, if hey. people don't like you or people don't respond right. to you, people aren't there for you. Right. So, uh, you know, it's it's been Probably a, because you're a white man, you know, right, white man in America. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but the city, the city has definitely <laughs> definitely embraced me, man, and, and and I do appreciate it. And I think, uh, you know, career-wise, I've always said, I think my most proud moment was when they they we unveiled the, the sign for, for school street mm -hmm. and just to see that yeah. and what you know we meant to right. or mean to the city yeah. is is i still i still can't really wrap my mind yeah. around it, so thank you well yeah. man thank you for being here taking the time man. to just talk and like i know people gonna love this thank you this <laughs> man i appreciate you man, i appreciate this, you this, like flowers this, i'm <laughs> gonna keep you. giving them to you because i because I, I really think that's crucial and that's important and i think that motivates people to keep going um, and so Dola White, Flowers More, thank you for your time. Thank man. you, man. Uh, and thank y'all for watching another episode of the Slice of the Community, and we'll see y'all next time.